Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we give you praise. We're so grateful this morning to be in the house of God with fellow believers. I would like to formally welcome you to the joint service between City Hope and Deliverance Temple. And can you just make some noise again? Praise the Lord. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a moment just to welcome our online audience. I'm going to take a moment to welcome City Hope. And then I'm going to bring up Hunter, and he's going to welcome Deliverance Simple. So to those of you who are tuning in online, we appreciate you for always tuning in. We're so grateful to see you. Let us know in the comments where you are logged in at, what state, what city, what location. Let us know that we love you. We appreciate you logging in. And to all my City Hope family, thank you for joining us and coming through the doors. Deliverance Temple, can we make some noise for City Hope? Woo! Beautiful. I'm going to ask that uh, Hunter would come. And he's going to do something similar. (laughs) Thank you, Andre. My name's Hunter. I'm representing City Hope here. I just wanted to say thank you, Deliverance Temple, for letting us worship in your space with you today. Uh, It feels kind of weird to welcome you to your own space, but thank you for having us. We love you guys, and I love to think that this is a picture of what heaven will be like someday. We get to participate in that today. So thank you for having us, and we are excited to worship with you. All right. Thank you. Honor. It don't feel right when he get up here and he way up here. <laughs> I need a camera to play tricks and add some height to me. So I'm going to have them bring this up on the screen for us. Happy Father's Day from Jim and Stephen. So Stephen is uh, Stephen Mitchell in Charlotte, and he sent us a video in. And so we're going to watch a video later. But first, we're going to bring up Jim. But I didn't want to uh, do the honors of bringing Jim up. I wanted Hunter to do the honors of bringing Jim up. And then Jim is going to speak for us. And he's more than welcome to use this microphone. Thank you, Andre. For those of you who don't know, this is Jim Moore. He is a wonderful leader and a deacon at City Hope. And uh, I hope you are encouraged by what he's about to share with you. Welcome, Jim. Everybody who knows me just went, can't believe it's an open mic of this guy. Sort of a disclaimer I'm going to start with is my wife always says that uh, everything that I say kind of comes across as if I'm stating a fact, and that sometimes it's just my opinion. And so, so she makes me qualify everything with an advance apology. So I'm going to let you know that a lot of what I'm going to say today is my opinion, and I'm sorry. Uh, this is my wife, Erin, right here, by the way. So if you don't feel sorry for her already, you probably, you probably will by the end of this. <laughs> I've said for a long time that if I could change one thing about politics, it would be congressional term limits. And Curtis can testify to that fact. But if I could change one thing about society, it would be a return to placing a high value on the nuclear family. Not a return to the good old days, whatever that means, but rather just a re-emphasis that our culture would once again recognize the immense importance and the critical impact that the family has on society. 
I would submit that it is a fact, not just my opinion, that God ordained the family to be the fundamental unit of humanity, a basic social unit providing protection, encouragement, support, love, guidance, so many things that we need to survive, to survive and thrive. Like most things, in my opinion, I'm sorry, humanity has been very successful in messing this up. Today I'm talking to and about fathers. We've messed this up. My wife gave me a tissue because she told me... I've never met my father. I was born to a single teenage mother uh, several years ago in uh, Iowa. I think I know who my father is. Thank you very much. I think I know who my father is, but I've never met him. And I don't really blame him for not being there. I think he was like a sophomore in college or something like that. And probably the last thing that he wanted or needed was the responsibility of a child. So I understand it. Vestal was a mess. That's not how it was supposed to be. I was brought home from a hospital by my parents who adopted me, and my dad was great. He played with me as a child. He worked hard to provide for us. He took lots of great places to see lots of great things. He coached my Little League teams, was a band dad, came to all my concerts, performances, swim meets, and anything else that parents are supposed to go to and endure. But sometimes shortly after my sister and I left the house, uh, the bipolar and alcoholism manifested themselves in a different way with him. And slowly, my father uh, became someone that I did not recognize. He died in 2018. And my relationship with him and his relationship with my family was never what I had expected it and hoped it to be in my adult years. That was a mess. It's not how it was supposed to be. And honestly, my response and my reaction to him was not honoring to him. In those times when I didn't understand what was going on, I found it easier to ignore and move away from him rather than what I should have done as a son and move toward him. That was a mess. I was married in 1997. I had my daughter, Laura, in 2002 and my son, David, in 2004. Their mother and I divorced in 2006. That's not part of God's plan for the family. That's a mess. My daughter, Kate, was born in 2012 to a single mother. We adopted her from birth. We have no idea who her father is. He was nowhere to be found. That's a mess. I'm not saying that my life is an example of the worst that society has done with fathers in the family. By no means. I know my circumstances were not uh, nearly that bad when compared to many. I work for DCS. And there I'm confronted with situation after situation, which in my opinion, drive home with emphasis the idea that our culture simply does not place a high value on the family, and in particular places little importance on dads. I'm not going to give statistics, but they're there for you to find. We need dads. It's almost, as if, it's almost as if God knows what he's doing. I 
And I want to pause here for a second. I mentioned that I work for DCS. Krista Garrett and I have worked together for 16 years. I don't know if she claims me, but I claim her. (laughs) Krista says she wants her son to be remembered and not to be left out of anything. And I want to honor that. I remember Jaden Lee Garrett. I honor Jaden Lee Garrett. I remember Jaden Lee Garrett. Kristen and Doug, we love you. My wife is a wise woman. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. I find this to be true a solid majority of the time. My wife is a wise woman. She sees how upset and agitated I get with crazy things that are going on in this world, big issues and, and things, and, and I, I get all worked up. There's, there's some things to get agitated about right now, aren't there? There's things to get frustrated about. And she'll say things to me like, you know, if you're not going to do anything about it, why don't you just sit down and shut up? <laughs> so, she doesn't exactly, so she doesn't exactly say it that way. She's a lot, she's a lot more kind. A kind about it, but but that's that's the intent, right? I mean, I, I hear it loud and clear. And she's right. You know, sometimes these issues can feel overwhelming and hopeless. You know, for me, you know, the, the the dad's issue is, is a big one. And, and so um, while we're not called always to solve the whole problem, just because I don't have the ability to do everything doesn't mean that I shouldn't do something. And so I... If you have a chance, ask me about the fatherhood initiative at First Choice for Women, which I think is a great thing. I'm Presbyterian, so I have three challenges for you. And every Presbyterian here went, oh my gosh, we have 45 more minutes of this. (laughs) I promise you it's not that. Challenge number one, particularly to fathers, look for your mess. Find it. It comes in unique ways to each of us. Sometimes it's a little mess. Sometimes it's one big, huge pile of mess. If you can't find your mess, ask your wife. She'll point it out. But find it. Challenge number two, do something about it. Don't do what I did with my dad. Make the mistake that I made that I can never get back. And pulling away from him instead of moving toward him in those years, own it. And three, if you have the time and the inclination... Seek out a way to advocate for the family unit in our society and community. Be a mentor or volunteer. Support organizations that support and value the family. Here's the encouragement. Even though we are a mess, there is hope. Being a parent is hard. Being a dad is hard. Don't do it alone. 
Turn to Jesus. He loves you, and he loves the family. Thank you. Figure out the stroller. Good morning. Single parent life. Let's get it. We are now on a walk. It's about six o'clock. And all is well. Midway through day one. So they talked to their mother. I read them a book. And now it's nap time. Somebody doesn't want to go nap time. But she's getting nap time anyway. I'm going to close the door. Let her cry it out. Close your eyes. Take your nap. Here, put your cover on. Okay, it is about halfway through day one. This is Harlow. Alayla, what are you doing? You cleaning up. Put all, put all the balls in the ball pit. Put them in the ball pit. There's more balls under your bed. Go we'll get all the balls under the bed. Oh, oh I get the bed. Yeah, go we'll get those balls. Daddy, yes. Wrong. All right, hurry up. Get them all out. Okay. This one's real whiny. Baby. bath time. Watch your head. Stop looking at the camera. Pulling them out one by one. What you doing? Daddy is tired. And the little dolly is causing more problems too. This is a cold red. Daddy will probably be asleep in the next few minutes. This is the biggest one right here. Say hi, everybody. Hi, Say, I'm giving Daddy, I mean, Daddy a hard time. Especially this one. Say hi, Harlow. Daddy, 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 Daddy. Going to get your hair cut in the rain. Say hi, Layla. <laughs> Say hi, Harlow. The car is. 
upset this one is. Craziness. Ready to go home, Alayla? Let's go home, okay. Daddy tired. After one lap, Daddy is wore out. In the tapestry of human behavior, there exists a profound truth that resonates through the ages. People tend to behave in accordance with how they see themselves. If I see myself as a winner, I tend to behave like a winner. If I see myself like a leader, I tend to behave as a leader would behave. If I see myself as a father, I tend to behave as a father would behave. How do you perceive yourself during my weekend with my girls? One thing I learned is that being a parent, being a single parent must be one of the hardest jobs in the world. My wife typically manages that part of our household. But when I was, when I had to take on that role, I had to see myself differently. No one else was going to do the job. So to all the fathers out there, many times our perception is off of what a father should be. But if we wake up every day with the correct perception and we perceive ourselves as fathers, it will increase the likelihood that we will act in a fathering capacity. That we will rise to the occasion. Even if I see myself as a man, that's not the same as seeing myself as a father. To all the fathers out there that might be struggling with the role, the responsibility, the weight, and the, the lack of celebration that comes with being a father, might I remind you, when it gets tough, remember to see yourself as the father, as the leader. And maybe, just maybe, this gives you a little more strength to behave in a way that a father would and should. Happy Father's Day. And remember, stay motivated. Peace. Yes, you will. He was Yes, all right, it's time for the word of God. We won't belabor any anymore. So we customarily, we uh, confess the word. And so we have a confession that we do and I'm going to do so. And then I'll pray and we will get rolling. All right, so let's do what we normally do. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. 
I will have what it says I will have. I'm part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed our hearts. If you believe God are going to do it, just go ahead and make some noise again. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for City Hope being with us today, God. We thank you for the camaraderie we have amongst the pastors and the leadership and now the body of believers, God. And help us to be more than just doing something that's symbolic. Help us to have a bond that actually makes a difference in this city, God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, God, I'm asking that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth. Amen and amen. All right, so we are going to uh, give just a little bit of background of the things that we have been covering, and then we will set up what we're going for this morning. And so we started off with a sermon called Shaken Faith, and we talked about how your faith can be shaken, but we gave a mental picture of a snow globe, that in a snow globe there are things that are shaking, but there are things that remain unshakable. And so we talked about how sometimes your faith can be shaken, but the kingdom of God remains unshakable in you. And then we moved on to I Hope You Dance. And for those of you who love country music, yes, it was borrowed from that song. And we talked about how that God will turn our mourning into dancing. And in the song that Leanne Womack sings, she says, if you get the chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. And so we hope that when things turn that you jump back in the race and then we talked about reverse and we talked about how God will turn things and that he will take our sorrow and our tears and we will reap joy from them and so we've been in a difficult season so it has been mentioned so far uh, some of you may not know the fullness of it but we have been in a very difficult season, and so we, my preaching has been from that place. I'm a very authentic preacher, so I can't jump and grab some, uh, some sermon off the Internet and try to preach it. i got to preach where I am, and we have been in a very tough season. So many of these, these sermons follow along with just where we are, but we're yet looking to the Lord. And so today's uh, sermon is simply this, forsaken, forsaken. And we are going to come from, we're, we're going to define it, and I'm, I am uh, struggling a little, not because I don't know where we're going, but uh, I left my iPad at home, and so I don't have my full notes here. They got them in the back. I got my phone. It's got some of the notes, but they're not matching up. So in the back, you guys are going to have to help me. I think my definition is next. So if it is, bring it up. So forsake simply means this, abandoned or deserted. And so it's coming from Psalms 22. And what's quite interesting is so when we talked with uh, Josh and Hunter and uh, someone else in the room. Was, uh, yeah, my brother was in the, in the room. And we, we talked and we found out that you guys were in a series in Psalms. And it looked like you guys were going to land in Psalms 22, 
or 23. And so when we first talked about it, I had no idea what we were going to be going through. But I said, I think I will fit whatever you guys are talking about. I'm going to preach from there. And so it just so happens that it linked up that Psalms 22 happens to be where you guys would have been. And it happened to be where we are right now. And every message that I just talked to you about, they all come from Psalms. So somehow God knew and it's all been woven together. And so I believe that the first verse, we're going to start with the first verse. And I'm going to have Mother Mitchell read that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Those of us who are Christians, we immediately, our mind wakes up when we hear, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because we immediately think of the cross. We think of Jesus on the cross and the cry that he cries out in his most uh, difficult of moments. He makes that cry. But it was actually a prophetic psalm that David wrote first. And that psalm is what uh, Jesus was actually quoting from. Many times when you look at Jesus in the New Testament, he's saying things. Many times he is quoting scripture that you find in the Old Testament, which links the two together. Actually, the Old Testament forecasts what Jesus was going to do. And the New Testament forecasts that Jesus was in the Old Testament the whole time. So that language is something that you remember. But most of the time, we only attribute it to Jesus thinking he was in such a horrible time on the cross, and that's why he called it out. But David was more human than Jesus, and he had the same cry. But I have a simple thought that comes also to it, because when you're a Bible scholar, you, you judge Scripture upon another Scripture. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. And so when you hear Scriptures, it makes you think of other Scriptures. So it's something else that it makes me think of. Deuteronomy 31.8. And Hebrews 13, 5, they both have some variation of this phrase. He will neither leave you nor forsake you. Yet both David and Jesus made the statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So is this a contradiction? God, do you forsake me or not? Did you or not? One scripture says you'll never leave me or forsake me. Another scripture says you've forsaken me. And Jesus himself has cried out, you've forsaken me. And so I wonder what is true. And many times things can be true simultaneously. And so there's a point that I want to make and then I'm going to get into some other points. So here's a point I want to make. What I know is not always stronger than how I feel. I know scripturally you will neither leave me nor forsake me. I know that mentally, but how I feel right now, I feel like I can't find you, God. And because I'm an honest Christian and not a phony Christian, I'm going to go ahead and cry out, where are you, God? Because I feel like you left me. I feel like. I'm lost. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Now, maybe in church, I'll, I'll button it up and make it look cute and raise my hand. But when I'm by myself, God, I can't find you. But it's a possibility there is power in both of them. 
it's power in mentally understanding he won't leave me nor forsake me. But it's also power in expressing my feelings right now. And so the first thing I want to do is put up a point to give you some power of the verse. The power in this verse is not from God to us, but actually from us to God. In most cases, when we're reading the scripture, we're looking at God speaking to us, which is beautiful. God's words are like love letters to us, and they get us through rough times. But the power in this verse is not so much God to us, it's us to God. Because how can God step in and help someone who won't honestly say, I need help? How can God step in and show you that he's present if you act like you know he's near? Sometimes you just got to be honest. And that's why I love Jim Moore's testimony because it was filled with emotion. Yes, we're saved and yes, we're Christians, but we still got daddy issues. We still got problems. We still made some mistakes. We still got some stuff in our past. And if we're honest, we can't figure it out by ourselves. Sometimes it takes getting lost to teach you that you need help. I remember one time being in the mall with my mom years ago, and I was walking with her, and I didn't want to go to the mall, but I didn't have a choice. She drugged me to the mall because I was stuck with her. But at some point in the mall, I remember we were in JCPenney, and I lost my mama. I didn't know where she was, and immediately I started crying, but something dawned on me and said, why don't you go to the front desk and tell the people that you can't find your mama? And when I said that, they called on the loudspeaker, and here come my mama's like, boy, I was just in JCPenney. But she knew that, but I didn't. My immature mind said, I done lost my mama forever. And here's the thing. When God doesn't feel like he's present, something tells you he's lost forever. But if you can go to the desk and call out to God, then somehow God will call out and you find out, even though I can't see him, he's somewhere in this mall somewhere. He's somewhere in my life. I can't see him, but he's somewhere. And sometimes I got to go find help. And when I find help, I find out he's closer than what I thought he was. All right, let's, y'all tracking well with me in City Hope. They, my, my church talks back to me. So if you feel like talking back to me, you're more than welcome. Let's, let's continue to read Psalms 22 and 2. Because there's more power there. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. All right, so before I talk about that, I did say it is from us to God more than it is from God to us. But there's a power in this verse that's quite interesting. Both David and Jesus are saying, God, I can't find you. And because what we do, we focus on the forsaken part. But there's a part that we miss. It starts off by saying, my God. My God. In other words, I can't find you, but you're still mine. I'm lost, but you're still mine. I'm hurt, but you're still mine. I'm 
confused, but you're still mine. And even though I don't know what you're doing in my life, I can still confidently say, he's my God. I'm crying, but he's my God. He's still my God. And so another scripture says, my God shall supply all your needs. And so even though it hasn't happened now, because he's my God, here's the thing that I I, I know. When I was in the mall, what made me cry, because that was my mama. It wasn't like I just showed up with some lady, but that was my mama. And at the end of the day, I want to go back with my mama. I don't want to go get another mama. I want my mama. And even though I could trade my God in for addiction, I want my God. I could trade my God in for the Republicans, but I want my God. I could trade my God in for the Democrats, but I want my God. Because up until this point, he's carried me this far. So I'm going to stick it out with my God. My God. My God. He's, he's my God. But even though saying all that, it says, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. So let's put this up. The power in this verse is not how it ends, but how it starts. In most cases, especially in sports analogy, they say it's not how you start, it's how you finish the game. But in this point, it's not how it ends. So I want to go back up to that verse again. The verse says, but I find no rest. I done called out to you, God. I said, you're my God, but I ain't got no rest. It's not how this verse ends. It's how the verse starts. So put the verse back up. It says something interesting. It says, my God, I cry out by day and you don't answer. Now, it wouldn't be a good verse if it says, I cry out by day and you don't answer. So I walked away because you showed me you're not there for me. But put the verse back up. After you don't answer me, I cry out by night. In other words, it's going to take a lot for me to give up on you, God. I'm going to talk to you day. If you don't show up in day, I'm going to talk to you at night. If you don't show up at night, I'm going to call out in day. If you don't show up in the day, I'm going to call out in night. Day and night, I'm calling out to you. And here's the thing. When you're calling out to God and you can't find rest, many times you miss the point. You think of, man, I still don't have rest, but you forget the fact you keep calling on him. And if you keep calling on him, there must be something inside of you that lets you know he's somewhere around, so I'm going to keep calling. See, when you call for your kids in an empty house, at some point you realize the kids ain't here. But if you keep hearing noises, it's somebody in this house, so you keep calling because somebody is here. And even though your head doesn't know it, your heart knows he's here somewhere, so I'm going to keep on calling. Day I'm calling, night I'm calling, midday I'm calling. I'll call you on Monday. Now, Now here's the thing, cute Christians, they only call him on Sunday morning. 
They only need God on Sunday morning. But when you've been through the hell we've been through, I'll call you on Sunday. I'll call you on Monday. I'll call you on Tuesday. I'll call you on Wednesday. If you haven't showed up, I'll call you on Thursday. I'll call you on Friday. I'll call you on Saturday. I'll show back on Sunday and I'll call you again because I know you're here somewhere. I was playing a game with my daughter some years ago. We were uh, at, in uh, Kalamazoo, uh, Michigan, I believe, and we were in a hotel, and we were playing a hide-and-seek game, and it was dark. And she said something that was powerful to me. She said, Daddy, I can't see you, but I can hear you. And I'm lost because I can't see you. But as long as I can hear you, I can find my way to you. So she called my name, and she didn't just call my name to be calling my name. She called my name to hear a response. Because even though I can't see you, if I can hear you, I can find you. All right, let's, let's, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Let's, let's see where, where we are next. Let's go to uh, verse 3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praise. Now hold, hold on. We start off by him saying you've forsaken me. But somehow now he's talking about how good he is. Let's keep on going. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. Mm, that's interesting. Verse 5. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Now the psalmist is no longer talking about him. He's talking about other folk that he's heard of. Now I'm still feel forsaken. And I still feel like you haven't given me any rest. I've been calling you. I've been doing the best I can. But I really can't find you in my life personally. Let's put this point up though. The power in these verses is not the individual's experience but the community in which they are connected. So David says, I can't find you for me, but I heard what you did for the folk around me. That's why your community is important. That's why your church community is important because even if God hasn't showed up for me, if he shows up for the folk around me, it's a possibility that maybe I'm somewhere in the mix. I tell this story all the time. Deliverance Temple, you would know it. City Hope, you won't, so I'll say it again. There was a time when I was uh, working for GM. I still work for GM, but I was laid off. And when we were laid off, we still got 80% of our pay. And so for me, it was like a layoff vacation. I was enjoying it. But the problem was some of it came from General Motors and some of it came from the unemployment office. And it wouldn't, the checks wouldn't show up when I wanted them to show up. And sometimes the check wouldn't show up until Saturday late after the bank had closed. And so I didn't have what I wanted to have. And I had a, a wife that I wanted to treat like a girlfriend and take her out every now and then. But when the money is funny and the change is strange, you can't do what you want to do. And so I was getting nervous because the week before I didn't get my money when I wanted to get my money. And this week I'm sure thought it was going to come when it's supposed to come. It was supposed to show up on like a Thursday, Friday. But Saturday I still didn't have my money. 
And so I went out and I went to the mailbox at about, uh, about 10 a.m. And the mailbox wasn't nothing in there. Now the bank closed at 12, so I'm thinking, God and the unemployment office and the UPS, y'all got from 10 to 12 to give me my money. And so 11 o'clock, wasn't no money in there. And I'm getting nervous. But around 11.30, I seen the mailman down the street and I got excited. Now here's the thing, the mailman wasn't at my address, but he was in the neighborhood. He hadn't showed up at my house, but I got excited because he was in the neighborhood. God, you may not be blessing me right now, but if you bless somebody around me, it gives me hope that one day it's going to be my turn. It may not be my turn today. It may not be my turn tomorrow, but God, you're in the neighborhood. And as long as you're still doing miracles, as long as you're still a way maker and a promise keeper and light in the darkness, I can keep holding on. You're not here for me yet. But it's a possibility you're somewhere. But also, not only that, what if he's not in our neighborhood? And sometimes for deliverance temple, it doesn't feel like he's been in our neighborhood. But that's why you have to go to these 66 books and look where you showed up for Abraham after 25 years. You showed up for Noah after he preached all that time and folk thought he was crazy. You showed up for Joseph when he was in the pit and you turned that pit into the palace. God, if you could do it for Noah and you could do it for Abraham and if you could do it for Joseph, I don't know when and I don't know how, but I believe somehow you could do it for me too. So I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to hope some more because I know you're able. The three Hebrew boys said, even if you don't do it, I rest in the fact I know you're able. And I would rather take a chance with a God who's able than throw it all away and give up right now. All right, let's, let's keep on going. Got a little more to go. This is the part where my notes go out, guys, so show, show me where I am. We might be on ver uh, verses. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Okay, I like I like I like the honesty of uh, of David. Yes, I'm not, now I'm listening. I'm believing you're doing it from other people. But here's the problem, God. I'm a worm. Here, here's the truth, y'all. We, we just shouted about him being in the neighborhood. That's cool. But here's the truth: when God gets the blessing, everybody around you, and you don't get nothing, you begin to internalize and say, "There's something wrong with me." Everybody getting married but me. Everybody's getting healed but me. Everybody happy but me. When you begin to have that, you begin to internalize it and you begin to think the problem has to be me. It can't be everybody else. It can't be God. The problem is me. Now, sometimes a problem is you, but sometimes it's not just that. It's the season you're in. Don't take the season you're in to make you feel like you are the problem alone because that's not the case. Let's continue to read. Let's see how David dealt with it. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. All right, verse 8. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. City Hope and Deliver Simple. Here, here's the problem. If we were playing church, 
we would understand why we get sometimes what we get. But when you've given everything you got and it still don't turn out right, that's when things get tough. And the scripture says that they say you trusted in them where he had not. If you really think about this, now in David's case, it was literal people dogging him out. He had literal enemies, but our enemies are spiritual. So most of the time, that extra stuff that we feel is stuff coming from the devil. <laughs> Didn't you pray? Look, today's Father's Day. Father's Day is, is unique for me now because in 2021, I lost my father. And when I last prayed for my father, there was nothing in my mind that didn't tell me he was getting up out of the bed he was in and he was going to be okay. So when it turned and he died, it kind of threw me for a loop. I'm not saying that I'm a miracle worker, but in that hospital room, I felt life. I felt encouraged to speak life and believe for life, and I got the opposite of what I believed. And when that happens, it's something that comes to your mind to make you feel like, what's wrong with you? Everybody else testifying that this happened, that happened, but I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I wrote a book on faith, and my daddy's still not here. So let's go to this next point. This will help us out. The power in these verses is the realization it's not you but outside forces, that's at work. Here's the beauty of understanding this. At some point you realize that all this mocking is not coming from in here. It's coming from out there. I'm not talking about people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and darkness. And so guess what? The devil's doing his job trying to play with your mind. So don't think it's something wrong with you. It's the devil doing what he's supposed to do. He's trying to tell you you don't have anything. Well, guess what? If all these forces are trying to tell me I don't have anything, it might be a possibility I do have something. If everything's trying to test my faith, it might be a possibility that I have faith. If everything's trying to attack my peace, it might be a possibility that I have peace. If everything's trying to attack my love, it might be a possibility that I have love. Here's the thing. It doesn't feel good, but here's the truth of the matter. Many times you will learn that it is the outside trying to stop you. And so if it's the outside trying to stop me, I only got one choice. Keep on moving. Because I've, I've made up in my mind, if you're going to attack me like a king, at some point in my life, I'm going to function like a king. If you're going to attack me like a high-level Christian, at some point in my life, I'm going to function like a high-level Christian. I may not be there right now, but if you're bringing it to me, you must know more about me than I know about myself. So devil, if you're going to bring it like this, at some point, I'm going to have the power to push back. So guess what? I'm mustering whatever I got. I'm holding my faith. And guess what? At some point, I'm swinging back. Right now, I may have to bob and weave. I may got to duck and be like the rope of dope. I may have to do what I got to do to survive. But next time I come out the corner, I'm coming out swinging. I'm coming out firing. 
Because the way you're fighting me, you must think I'm a champion. So I'm going to keep fighting until the championship belt is in my hand. Now, it's a possibility that the championship belt won't be received till we get to heaven. It may not be any normal material thing, but it's okay. All I know is in the end, I win. So the only thing I can't do is quit in the middle. I got to wait till the end. I, I, I don't like to watch a movie with someone who wants to interrupt and tell me what's going to happen at the end. I like to know the end. But I'm sorry, let me interrupt the movie of your life. You're going to win in the end. When it's all said and done, you're going to win in the end. Let me tell you how the story is. Spoiler alert, you get heaven. You get God. It's going to be okay. So don't let the outside forces stop you. All right, let's, let's give a few more verses. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You make me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. Verse 10. From birth I was cast on you, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. This, 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 this whole psalm has taken a turn that's, that's quite interesting to me. Go, go ahead, and, and if the point is next, go to the point. If the verse is next, go to the verse. Okay, the point. Point five. The power in these verses is not in the present or the future, but in the past. Now, normally in Christian circles, even when I just told you, I said we're going to try to move forward. In Christian circles, normally you're believing for the future. I just told you you're going to get heaven in the end. That's the future. But David says something that reminds me that it's not always about the present and the future. Sometimes it's about the past. And so right now, David's present wasn't good. Presently, I feel forsaken. And when your present is so bad, you really can't figure out your future because the future looks cloudy. So if the present is bad and the future is cloudy, then you got to go back and look at the past. And here's the thing you got to ask yourself. Has God ever been there for me in the past? I, I don't like my present. I can't figure out my future, but I got to ask myself, has he ever been there for me in the past? David goes all the way back. Let's look at verse 9. Let's see where he goes all the way back to. Put number 9 up for me real quick. Yet you brought me out the womb. David went all the way back to the womb. He said, you made me trust in you at my mother's breast. Well, well before I grew up, when I look all the way back, because I realize not everybody makes it out the womb. There's actually several, several million sperm trying to get to the egg, but somehow I got there and came out the womb. And now I begin to understand it was God all the way back when I was born. I, it wasn't medical science. It wasn't the epidural. It wasn't even my mama pushing. It was God that had his hand on me. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. Sometimes you got to go all the way back as far as you can go. And here, I got to throw this to you on Father's Day. Some of y'all understand that your father wasn't present. Your father wasn't in your life and your father didn't raise you. But I'm here to let you know when you came out your mother's womb, you had a heavenly father.
father that made sure you made it here and you still got a home in heaven because if I can't see my present and I can't figure out my future I'll go all the way back to the day I was born God you've always been on my side how dare you leave me now I know you won't leave me now I'm still going to trust in you the best way I know how let's, let, let, let's, let's look at uh, verse 10 real quick and see what he says about this from birth I was cast on you from my mother's womb you have been my God now, now before I ever confessed and asked you to come in my life you was my God way back then you was just waiting in the wing waiting for me so all this time you've been faithful so now I'm in a tough season. I cannot, uh, I can't imagine that you're not going to be faithful now. So I'm going to trust what you've done in the past to believe what you might do in the future. All right, let's go to verse 11. Or, or the point, I don't know what's next. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. All right, put, put up the point for this. The power in this verse is in the psalmist, not giving up but rather giving God another chance to come through go back to the verse real quick this is what he says do not be far from me now wait a second at the beginning he said why are you forsaking me but now he's saying don't be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help in other words when I look at my present and I look at my future truth of the matter is I ain't got nobody who can help me out of this I can't find you, God, but you all I got. So, God, don't be far from me. I can't find you, but you got to show up somehow. I don't see you, but God, I'm giving you another chance to step in my life and turn this thing around. I don't know how, but I don't have nobody else to turn to. So, God, I'm giving you one more chance. If I was a country singer, I would say you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Well, here's the thing I'm trying to let you know. This ain't time to fold it in. This ain't time to give up. This is the time to double down. Push all your chips in. Take another chance. God, if you're God, I need you to show up. God, if you what the Bible says, if you what the preacher says, if you what the Christians say, God, I'm giving you another chance to show up. And I love David says, God, do it one more time if you can. And deliverance simple. I say this specifically to you. We've been in the worst season of our life the last three years. But I'm giving God another chance to do it again. I'm giving God another chance to say, God, I'm going to keep preaching till you show up. I'm going to keep worshiping till you show up. I'm going to keep praising till you show up. I'm going to keep loving till you show up. I'm going to keep reading till you show up. Now, I may not be able to do it well every day. I may have good days. I may have bad days. But the good thing is I'm not in this by myself. And what's also beautiful, Deliverance Temple, now we know we got city hope. And if we can't find any hope in Deliverance Temple, maybe we can find some hope in the city. Maybe we got some folk praying for us. Another church that is holding us up. Maybe we don't have to quit and give up. Maybe God's going to still do everything he said he was going to do. So on this Father's Day, I want to know, can we believe one more time? Can we hope one more time? 
And here's the thing I'm learning in my life. It's not hoping months at a time. Sometimes you got to reduce it all the way down to moments. If I can just hope in you for another moment. If I can believe in you for another moment. If I can just say I'm a Christian another moment. Because come on, let's be honest. We don't always feel like Christians every moment of every day. I'm a Christian right now because I'm preaching. But other days I don't feel like I got nothing. But if I can give God another moment. Here's the thing. Moment by moment, it actually does something. Because hidden in the word momentum is the word moment. You don't build momentum until you have moments. And so God, if I can string enough moments together. Maybe I'll have the momentum to get back on my feet. And so I'm not going to give up in the moment. I'm going to give you another chance in the moment. And guess what? By this time next year, I may have momentum that I never had. But I got to embrace it moment by moment by moment. I got to hope moment by moment. Deliver Simple hasn't just gone through things. City Hope has. I've talked to your pastor. One of the reasons why he's on sabbatical, he's been in a rough season trying to do the things that he needs to do. But you guys aren't going to fail either. You're not going under either. Because guess what? If you can't find hope in the city, you can find some deliverance in the temple. You're going to find yourself. You're going to make it out. We're going to do it together. Here's another thing. What if neither one of us can make it? What if deliverance temple or city hope? What if neither one of us can make it? Well, thank God we ain't the only church in town. Maybe we can keep reaching. We can, the one thing about the body of Christ is if we come together, and this brings me all the way full circle, if we come together like racial reconciliation and we really come together, when we go through rough times, we will have somebody somewhere to fall back on. And we can go from saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to saying, God, don't be, don't be far. Come near, God. Come close. If you can do anything, God, we give you a chance to do it one more time and do it in our lives. Come on, let's, let's get our communion together and let's rise to our feet. As we are preparing our communion elements, Hunter, is Hunter still here? Yeah, would you just, would you just come up and let's do this together. Thank you for stepping in while your pastor is away. So they're going to bring us on screen. We'll just alternate reading the verses and we will take this together. I'm going to pray first. And then we'll do this again. Let's, let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, as we come together once again on this Father's Day, thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Also, as we look to celebrate Juneteenth and what that means, God, as we take this communion, God, we pray that you would mend our broken hearts, that you would begin to carry us to that place that our test becomes a testimony of how in our lowest moments you didn't leave us and you didn't forsake us. Even though we felt that way, you showed up and you were near to the brokenhearted. 
And that's our prayer and that's our belief in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. All right, we're going to read. Uh, would you put up on the screen the very first one? You guys can prepare your elements. For I received from the Lord, this is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Paul, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Let's stop and let's take the bread. Let's go to our next verse. And Hunter, would you read this? And we had, when he had given it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is remembered for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go to the next verse. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. All right, let's do the final verse. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me add this. When we proclaim his death, we're also proclaiming his resurrection. Hunter, would you give us our closing prayer? And then we will be dismissed. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you are able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, you have, by your Son, delivered us from sin and death, and one day you will make the whole world new, whole, and right again. Thank you that you are our Father, and that you bring unity, and that even when it feels like you are far away, that you are near, and we can cry out to you. Lord, would we look to you for hope and to your body for hope as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you dearly.